Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Hey there, second hour of Wiggins America. Been looking forward to having this debate with you. And I do mean you because Trisha and Old Roy, they will be back, but they're not in the room right now. I'm having this conversation with you. The topic, Ukraine. I'm going to read a headline here from the Washington Post, sorry, the Washington Examiner. Different newspaper, very different slant. Um, this is about Ukraine and the, the state of things right now. It says, analysts continue to dissect Ukraine's stunning offensive advances against faltering Russian forces. Ukrainian President Voldemir, it's not Vladimir, it's Voldemir Zelensky, now claims... His troops have retaken virtually all of the northern Kharkiv province, reclaimed more than 3,700 square miles, and in some cases driven, bedraggled, and beaten Russian troops back over the border. It is clear that they're fighting hard, said a senior U.S. military official at a Pentagon briefing uh, earlier this week. Quote, we assess that the Russian forces have largely ceded their gains to the Ukrainians and have withdrawn to the north and the east. Many of these forces have moved over the border back into Russia. The officials said that Ukrainian troops armed with advanced U.S. weapons and detained or detailed battlefield intelligence were able to exploit Russian weak points and present Russian commanders with multiple dilemmas along with the forward line of troops, which changed the dynamics in the battlefield. It also goes on to say that Russian morale is in the toilet, which you have to believe. I mean, what are you fighting for? It's okay to say that Putin is just a bastard. That I don't know why that's become a, a, an issue that each side seems to have any, a problem with. I, I don't actually don't think it has. It's just that I see the left a lot of times saying, well, why isn't the right condemning Putin? Well, we are condemning Putin. I think they just have said it enough that I, people believe that we're not. I, I don't know, really know anybody that's for Putin, though. It's just how much do you want to support Ukraine? We'll get to that in a second. But a major factor in the collapse of Russia's frontline troops is sagging morale after six months of grinding combat in which Russian troops have been poorly led and lack basic supplies, according to the Pentagon. So let me ask you this question. If Ukraine somehow wins this war, and winning probably should be defined because that could look like a lot of different things. Ukraine remains a nation. Maybe they've lost some ground. They lost the eastern provinces there. Or maybe they uh, they retain the whole country. I, I don't know exactly what winning would look like, but let's say we can agree that if they retain national autonomy, even if they have lost some ground, that that would be a win, right? They didn't completely get taken over, which is what Vladimir Putin said in March, that that was his goal, was to reunify Russia, basically the Soviet Union, and bring Ukraine back into the fold, they wouldn't be a nation anymore. A loss for him would be that Ukraine continues to exist. So let's just operate from that understanding, okay? So let's say that happens and Ukraine wins this war. Does it change your opinion on what we've done up until now? 
specifically Congress and the Biden administration, their approach to this. Now, let me back up for just a second and say that I know what my initial answer to this is, which is that we should not have been in this situation. Uh, Russia invaded Crimea under Obama. They did nothing under Trump, yet somehow Trump is uh, Putin's puppet, right? So all of this has happened now under both Obama and now Biden. Nothing happened under Trump. And not to make this a political point, but it's true. That didn't happen then. And I believe that if Trump were in office, he used a lot of leverage against Russia and against NATO. <laughs> Even though NATO's our, our ally, he forced them all to pay more and invest more in the security of mainly Europe and the NATO nations. Because he said, look, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. He made them pay and invest in the organization itself. A lot of other reasons, too, involving gas, involving economic sanctions, involving, you know, I mean, people a lot of times just didn't invade or didn't want to do anything because they thought Trump was crazy. I think it's probably part of his strategy. And it worked. It didn't invade Ukraine. So that said, moving beyond that, so that that is no longer the reality. The reality is that we have a president, Biden, and a Democrat Congress that has seen some bipartisan support on some of this Ukraine stuff, but not entirely, that have made decisions since then. So let's operate from then and in the current reality. Let's, let's put that behind us and say, okay, that didn't happen. So now what should happen? So Biden and Western Europe, and I would have to think this is more led by Western Europe and Europe in general, not just Western, because you're talking about Poland and stuff in there too. Finland wanting to join NATO. These nations have banded together to economically sanction Russia. Cut them off from everything. We haven't talked about it in a while, but they are completely isolated in almost every meaningful way. We've talked about the possible ramifications of doing that. That then you drive their economy to befriend China. Well, that benefits them, and it make, maybe takes away the possibility of even dollar hegemony, where the dollar isn't as strong because they're not using the dollar to trade in oil and, and other commodities like they were because they're trading with each other and not using the dollar as the international currency. So that hurts if that indeed is where it goes, and it looks like it, it, it might and will. Um, but aside from that, just in terms of the war itself, I would have to concede that those economic sanctions, and really not just the economic sanctions, although that is demeaning the troops. The, 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 the troops that are fighting in Russia, they just don't have the supplies. Their weaponry is outdated. Um, and like I said in that article, their, their morale is low. They don't know what they're fighting for. They're, they're just fighting because they were told they had to. So the economic sanctions, in that sense, seem to have worked to protect Ukraine. Now, does that protect America's best interests? I don't know. But my argument is, here's how it would protect America's best interests. It's a pretty roundabout argument, so maybe disagree with me here. It's fine. I think it's a discussion to be had, though. Is that with, with Russia invading Ukraine, if they had just walked right in and done this, and really no consequences, especially with the international community, not just with Ukraine. So if they had lost troops and maybe Ukraine buffered them off for a long time and maybe Ukraine even won the war but the west didn't do a lot to do to help with that 
uh, that tells China, you can do whatever you want to. We're not going to do anything about it. What it has done is set a precedent that if China goes ahead and tries to invade Taiwan or anywhere else for that matter, that there are consequences for those things. So Taiwan being a pretty strategic ally, at least as in terms of production of goods goes in the region, uh, that, that has protected U.S. interests in that way. Like I said, that's a pretty roundabout argument to make, but I think it is an argument to be made. Now, <clears throat> the bigger argument is all the money that we've spent. We've spent a lot of money, not just $40 billion, That got the headlines. It's been more like $60 billion, maybe more, that we've sent to Ukraine. Now, you could say, we, well, they wouldn't have won that war if we hadn't sent all that money. That's very possible. You know, they, they're, they're flush with much more money and goods and services and weaponry than Russia has been, certainly. Uh, Russia is a much bigger country, bigger economy, so they can weather that a little bit better than the Ukraine could. But certainly, that has helped Ukraine. So is it worth it? I would argue I, that I really don't think the money has been the point the sanctions have. And we really don't know how it would have turned out. Maybe you're saying, Ryan, don't, don't be an idiot. If you're going to do one, you got to do the other. Otherwise, Ukraine doesn't win that war and it's all worthless anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. But I think it's worth a discussion that if Ukraine, back to the original point here, if Ukraine does win this war, was anything that we did worthwhile and worth it? I think yes. I think the answer is yes. As much as I think that it could have been better, uh, given the hand that we're dealt now, I do think that some of it has been worth it. But you can contact me. You can disagree with me. I'd love to hear your thoughts. At Radio Wiggins on Twitter. That's the best way to contact me. More at Wiggins America and more of both Trisha and Old Roy with serious questions. And John Lott, he is a he's a researcher. He's a crime prevention researcher. And he is going to talk about what he's been doing and his organization has been doing concerning the 2020 election not relitigating the 2020 election we're not looking to go change the results um i just like guys like this and organizations like this because they're dealing in hard facts you can take it and they'll say here are the facts and then we can say thank you for the facts decide for yourself that's coming up next wiggins america Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. All right, I'm keeping these guys around quite a bit this morning because it's the one-year anniversary. And because you like us so much. And because we like you so much. Uh, it's the one-year anniversary of Wiggins America, so we've been here for a year. Thank you for being a part of it, whether you've been there from day one or you're just here for the first time this morning. Either way. And nothing in between, though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you started somewhere in the middle, I'm like, eh, you probably should go. Uh, let's do some serious questions, guys. Who wants to go first? Serious question. Roy. I'll go first. Okay. Yay, Roy. <laughs> okay, so uh, I forgot my paper, so i got to do this one from memory. Okay, <laughs> give it. Bring it. Uh, <laughs> so the CEO of McDonald's is saying they may have to think about leaving Chicago because they're having trouble getting people to come back into work 
post-COVID because everything is so dangerous in Chicago. The CEO of McDonald's, you said? Yeah. Okay. They have their headquarters in Chicago. <clears throat> and So you're not talking about McDonald's restaurants. You're talking about just corporate. 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 Okay. Right. So, so there's been a number of companies that have left Chicago recently, uh, big name ones. And McDonald's is now admitting they have to be thinking that way because they're having trouble getting their people to come back in. But they did also, the article does also, also mention that some of the restaurants are losing business as well in the city uh, because of the same thing. Um, so serious question. Serious question. Is McDonald's food getting harder to digest or am I just getting old? Yeah, I think you're getting old. Mm. I'm getting old too. I just can't quit it. I think you turned your mic off and forgot to turn it back on. I just turned you back on. Oh, my bad. So you gave a great answer though. Yeah. About your digestive tract. So if everybody could just use their imagination. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think McDonald's food has changed ever. So I think you know the answer to that question. I'm no. getting old. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Dang it. I am too, though, Roy. I get it. I can't. It's not even past five, ten years for me. I can't do it like mm-hmm. I used to. Serious question based on your story. Yeah. Um, do you think people are using this stuff, whether it be COVID or crime or anything else, as an excuse now because they like staying at home to work? I think that's certainly a part of it. I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean, yeah. not because I'm, you know, oh, I want to lie so I can get my way. But I, I, was, I would think that there will be a lot of people who would go, you know what, this is so much easier for me. And I know a lot of corporations have already decided to permanently change, even if not completely like they were in COVID, right. but somewhat to a more, I don't know, loose environment mm-hmm. where you don't always have to be at work at <clears throat> any given moment. I think they have to. There's so much apathy in the workforce. Everybody, you can see it just across the board. I have not talked to anybody that's not feeling this. That if companies aren't offering this, people are like, oh, I'm going to go do something else. I know friends that have done that. Like, I'm, I'm just going to take a different job because I don't want to go in. Isn't it weird how our mindset hasn't changed, though, that we still think, well, you're different because you're running a business and you're looking for employees. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could speak to this from a different angle, but that we haven't thought, oh, I'm more valuable than I used to be because so many people are not working. We still think, oh man, you know, I got to really prove myself all the time, which is fine. It's just that I don't think the average worker is going, oh, I'm much more valuable unless you're doing those jobs that you know are easy to fill, you know, the yeah. the really, the minimum wage jobs, because those people are moving all over the place. They'll work for two weeks and leave. And that's mm-hmm. why one of the reasons the numbers are so weird for unemployment is that you have tons of people leaving, quote-unquote, leaving the workforce every month, but they're just rejoining the workforce every month, too. So it messes with the numbers because you have a lot of people leaving and a lot of people joining, but it's the same people over and over. So it's just a weird economy. that I don't know if you get to the point where we're at in what is usually a pretty coveted position in media. You know, There's a lot of um, competition for... You think jobs. that, but from a management standpoint, trying to onboard people right now has been almost impossible. See, that's why I wanted to ask you it's that. It's crazy. Because I remember you saying that. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's like, what, this industry is supposed to be not one of those. We're either getting people that have zero experience and they want top dollar, yep. which those things don't 
match up, especially these are young, in this these are kids. young people fresh out of school, yeah. hundred grand for, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's just not, unfortunately, that's not how this business works. Or, um, so we get those or that's pretty much it. Like people that aren't <laughs> qualified at all, like people that have never worked in the industry, people that I can't find any qualified workers. It's insane. Man, that is weird. Mm-hmm. Except for the ones we do have, which I love all of them. But yeah, but but that's and slim pickings. It is, and everybody's having to work extra hard because of the because of that problem. So if somebody comes to you with no experience, but they're they're not asking for a hundred grand, you're still going, yeah, maybe one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. If you've got realistic expectations and you want to learn, we've got hours. We can teach you. I just can't. I can't pay you. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. There's. It just kind of is what it is. But I don't. I almost don't blame them though. Because no? they're going, you know what? This is the situation. I'm going to take advantage of it. And if you don't give me what I want, that's okay. You don't mm-hmm. have to. I'm just going to keep looking. Or I am going to find that somewhere else. I don't know if they will. I doubt that they're going to get six figures out of college. But if they if that does exist and they're just holding out for it, go mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. I just well, don't know if that it's That being true. said, I wanted to talk to you about something, Ryan. Yeah. Um. Can I get a hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> I I make those decisions, and yes. Okay. Can I too? Do you make those decisions yeah. for me? Yeah, Thank I can, you. and yes. I do wow. have one follow up question to that question. How much percentage of work time? What's the percentage of people actually working from home working? Serious question. Like, if you say you have an eight hour work day from home, are you? I guess it depends 80, on what 20, you do. 60, 40, mm. 70, 30, because yeah. you know people are doing laundry and. Here is my uh, not serious question, but story. Car internet, well, car internet being like a community of people, the the car internet, roasts Biden for posting next to a Corvette Z06 and then tweeting about how he loves electric vehicles, <laughs> which this one is not. Mm-hmm. And, and I you know, give the guy a break, but in the tweet, he says, you all know I'm a car guy. <laughs> and he says, today I visited the Detroit Auto Show, saw firsthand the electric vehicles that give me so many reasons to be optimistic about our future, and then posted a picture of a non-electric vehicle. <laughs> so, Serious question. Would you ever consider buying an electric vehicle? Serious question. I would. Even with the problems that you're finding with charging them? Yeah, I wouldn't buy one until we had that figured out. I can't afford them right now. Yeah. Well, that's but why I was asking right now. You know, well, you didn't ask right now. Sorry. You said, would you ever consider it? And would I would. Ever? Five, ten years down the road, if we can get some of it figured out, if it is cost more cost effective, if that's the way things are going, I'll get on board. But I'm not going to, like, break my bank and strand myself on the side of the road mm-hmm. just to appease mm-hmm. a political agenda. Just so you don't have to buy gas. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I don't have a problem owning an electric car. It, for me, it would be a personal thing. If I like it, it drives nice. I would do it. If it, if like you said, if if everything's figured out, I would I would not yeah. not buy one. Yeah, I think you're probably the majority of people because I'm the same way. The only thing that I don't like about the whole movement toward the electric vehicle stuff is that it seems as if you're centralizing the need for charging stations and stuff that it's becoming much more government subsidized than individual business owners doing it. Mm-hmm. And I hate the idea. This is a weird jump to make. I hate the idea that somebody could turn my car off from afar 
And that could happen with with gasoline-powered vehicles at some point, too, if they become so computerized. But that electric vehicle jump to me is where that's being made, where, oh, somebody has control over your car that's not you. I'm, I'm conflating two different things that aren't exactly the same, but... There's a point at which I'm like, that's, that's going to become a problem if anybody has control over your car starting other than you. And I know that that's a very much a possibility regardless of whether it's electric or not. You want to do yours? Sure. It's not serious at all. Good. Okay. So there's a huge interactive fountain unveiled in Dallas. Uh, while most public display features signs warning people not to <clears throat> climb in or out of them, a new fountain was unveiled. Un- unveiled this past week in Dallas actually meant for human interaction. So, you know, how as a kid, you're like, I want to get in that fountain. Yeah. Now there's a fountain where you can actually do that. Isn't that just a splash pad? No, it's an actual fountain. Oh, okay. But it has a splash pad. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> serious question. Have you ever serious question. swam or seen people swimming or bathing in a fountain? <laughs> I think I've seen kids in fountains before, but I don't think I've ever seen anybody anybody bathing in a fountain. Bathing in one. That seems like, man, if I was homeless, though, I'd be bathing in some fountains. Guarantee you that. I've never seen anybody, I mean, other than videos and stuff. I haven't, in real life, I haven't seen an actual adult. Really hoping that you have. I have. Yeah? Mm -hmm. There's a fountain in this city that gets bathed in a lot. Ooh, can you tell us where? Yeah, it's over off of, um, like, off of Loughborough in the Crondelette area. There's a fountain there, and it is basically a large outdoor bathtub. Nice. <laughs> and it is something to see. Wait, does nobody do anything about it? They no, just seems like you could just not put water in it if you're, it was a big problem. I don't know. It seems like a great meet cute, doesn't it? it like you, you meet and you're like during your fountain bath. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I mean bath. Maybe you're just walking by a fountain and you fall in. Oh my gosh. It's jarring to see somebody bathing in a fountain. Are they naked? No. Oh, okay. No. Are, do they look crazy? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not, it's not just like it's some not guy really, who's down it, on his luck who's like, look, I got to take a bath. And I'm keeping my jeans on just to be nice about it, but... This is like, this is a crazy person, yeah. right? Okay. Multiple crazy people. <laughs> All bathing. All bathing in a fountain. And but now, now, now the rest of the crazy people know where to go because you just told them. Oh, yep. <laughs> yeah. There is a fountain in Grandolette where others bathe. Yeah, the crazy people are up early on Saturday. Yeah. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, thanks, you guys, for being a part of the one-year anniversary. Sorry it wasn't more fanfare. I was going to maybe get some clips of your guys' first words on the air, but it was just going to be, hey, yeah. Like, that's all I was going to do. It was going to be a great joke, and I just ran out of time. 97.1 FM Talk. Been looking forward to talking to John Lott. He's from the Crime Prevention Research Center. And uh, you are talking about a topic that I really like to dig into because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of discussion about it, but not a lot of facts. And you are providing facts, John. Uh, exactly. Tell us exactly what the, the topic of your research is. Right. Well, um after the 2020 election, of course, after the 2016, there's been allegations of kind of improper voting that occurred. And uh, so we wanted just to do look at something very simple, and that was to compare the number of ballots cast in precincts with the number of the list of people who voted. You would think those two numbers should be exactly the same. Um, there are allegations, though, that um, 
votes may have been counted multiple times. Uh, in that case, you would end up with a situation where you'd get more ballots uh, counted than voters uh, listed as voting. Or you may have a situation where ballots were destroyed. In that case, you could have a situation where you have more um, uh, voters listed as voting than you have ballots counted. Um, so what we did was we looked at the 14 swing states, the 100 most populous counties in those states, and uh, uh, found that uh, almost nobody knows who voted in past elections. So, John, um, let me ask you before we get too far into this, let me let me just back out a little bit here and ask you, are you looking just at the 2020 election? You know, I mean, it's very costly process to go through. And in any case, um, there's a 1960 Civil Rights Act, uh, which requires that uh, county and state election officials keep records uh, from that election for 22 months. So the only election that we really thought we could look at anyway was uh, was the 2020 election. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so we're looking at the 100 most populous counties from 14 swing states in the 2020 election. And of those 100 counties that you filed Freedom of Information Act's uh, information for, what did you get back? Right. Well, first, this is work that I did uh, with the America First uh, Policy Institute and the Crime Prevention Research Center that I had. And what we found was that uh, 94 of those 100 counties didn't keep records of who voted. They couldn't tell you uh, the number. They couldn't they didn't have a list. What happened was is uh, uh almost immediately after the election, uh, they would start updating and changing the, the list that they have. You know, you would think people would keep uh, a copy from that particular day. But, you know, you can imagine if you had like an Excel file or a Word file on your computer and you're updating it uh, and you save over the old file, you don't keep a separately named file from the date that's there. And amazingly, uh, these county and didn't have an archive for their data. You know, if you have like an Apple computer and you have Time Machine there, it, it archives it every hour. So you could go back if it was your personal computer and you had an Excel file from uh, that you had saved originally on November 3rd, 2020. Uh, you could go back and recover the exact file that you had on that day. But, um, you know, there's a, uh, but they don't, they don't even have an archive system. It's not like this is 30 years ago. This is 2020. So you would think that they would have that type of stuff, but they don't. Yeah. We're talking and, with John Lott. He's from the Crime Prevention Research Center, looking at the discrepancies between uh, votes that were supposed to have been cast versus votes that were recorded as cast. If I'm I'm saying that right, right, John? Well, the, the ballots cast, the number of ballots cast, and the number of voters who are listed as voting in different precincts. Yeah. And, and, of, and Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, of those 100 populous counties that you were talking about, 94 of them don't have a record of who was on the voting list, like who, who would have cast who, a ballot. Who, who, yeah, they don't have a list of who actually voted 
on November 3rd, 2020. So does that differ by state of how they're supposed to keep those records or all no, of it's these? it's a federal law. It's a federal law, it's yeah. A federal, it's a federal law, 1960s Civil Rights Act. And, uh, and the reason why they had it was just to make sure that people could check the records and make sure that there weren't the types of problems that we were looking for had occurred. Um, so, and then even more disturbing, or at least equally disturbing, I guess, uh, there were six counties that claimed that they had records of who actually voted on uh, November 3rd, 2020. Uh, the problem was that when you actually looked at it, there were gaps between the number of ballots counted and who the number of people who they say voted. Uh, and they were large. Uh, on average, it was about 2.9 percent of uh, of the ballots cast. And and just to give you an idea, you look at some place like Cobb County in Georgia. Uh, the gap there was 34,000. Okay, that's three times uh, how much Trump is said to have lost the state by. So one county, you know, assuming that. They didn't have the same type of issues with other counties in the state. That one county had an, had this gap uh, between ballots counted. It's almost all, we look precinct by precinct, it's almost all precincts where uh, there were more ballots cast than, uh, than voters were listed as voting. And, uh, you know, it's huge compared to the 12,000 margin that Biden won. I mean, if the rest of the state was like that, uh, you'd have something that was in the many hundreds of thousands. Um, And And, and we won't know because, you know, like you said, 94 out of the 100 counties didn't keep the record. But the ones who did, you just mentioned Cobb County, Georgia. Right. And you said that's 34, just to be clear, that's 34,000 plus, almost 35,000 votes that they have they have ballots for that they don't have people listed who voted. Right. That's incredible. And that's just one county. That's incredible. Yeah, no, it is. It is amazing. In Florida, uh, two counties said that they had a list of who actually voted. Uh, and the gap there was uh, for Dade County, which is the most populous county uh, in the state, and, and Orange County. The total gap there was about 42,000 between wow. those two. Wow. So um, it wouldn't have mattered for the presidential election there, but there was, in recent years, there have been a number of statewide elections uh, that uh, whether you look at the Senate race in 2018 or the governor's race then or others that uh, were less than, uh, than the gap there that you see. Yeah. And uh, we're talking with John Lott. He's from the Crime Prevention Research Center. Now, let me ask you this, just because nobody's hoping for fraud, nobody's wanting there to be uh, issues, but this is why people like you are looking into this to find out if there are. So I guess the question that comes back is, when you find somebody like Miami-Dade or Cobb County in Georgia who's got this huge discrepancy of of votes that, that they can't really account for, they can't trace them to voters, or at least the number they can't, is there any way that this happens just where there's no fraud, you know, it's just an accident or there's something that is unaccounted for. That's not necessarily criminal, but that's just, it's got the numbers out of whack. Yeah. Look, um, the problem is 
uh, look, uh, there is a benign explanation, but it's still not very good. And that is uh, uh, these counties that claim that they have uh, the data from uh, who voted are wrong. They just don't know who maybe that none of the counties know exactly who voted in the November 2020 election. Um, And, you know, uh, so that they may think they have the list, but they may have actually saved over it, just like we were talking about before. And uh, but that means that all the counties may be bad, you know, because you you can't tell them. So. uh, um, So it's not I mean, that's the best explanation that none of them, none of them kept a record of uh, of who actually voted in 2020, which is stunning. You talk to state legislators around the country and I've talked to a number of them. They just assume that you can go back and easily find who voted in the election. Um, And uh, uh, so that would be very problematic. There's there is. Uh, two states, uh, New Hampshire and North Carolina, that have written uh, files, they say, on who voted. Uh, but uh, we weren't able to really look at those because uh, they're just, you know, it's too difficult and whatever to get a hold of uh, their written files there. Uh, these All these others had computerized databases. So I, I assume those two states may have gotten it right. But that's just an assumption on my part. John, with the information that you did get from the six counties of the hundred that you asked for information from, you found these discrepancies. What happens now? What do you do with that data? Well, I mean, the, the point of doing the study wasn't to try to relitigate last past elections. The point of doing the study was to go and see uh, how, uh, how to things going forward and to prevent the type of conspiracy theories that would be springing up. And what you do there is uh, tell them to obey the 1960 uh, Federal Civil Rights Act, that they have to keep a record of uh, who actually voted in the past elections. And how do you feel going into 2022? Is this something that people are waking, like, even if this was not malfeasance, that they just, like you said, all of them just happened to save over the document. Are they realizing now, oh, we better change things in the future? Well, there are there are some states. Uh, the Ohio Secretary of State's office has changed their policy so that they now archive uh, the data that they get uh, regularly from the counties. Uh, West Virginia, I understand, is doing that too now. They they started this after they saw what we put together, uh, so they don't have the data from the 2020 election, but uh, going forward they will. And the Secretary of State in both of those states, uh, particularly Ohio, has gone out and tried to get other Secretary of States to sign on to a letter. Uh, and I think they may have like 12 states total now uh, that have signed a letter uh, dealing with these issues. So it's it's something that uh, is slowly uh, being addressed and fixed, but it's going to take some time. Yeah. And uh, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the states uh, are not going to be fixing this stuff. John, I'll tell you what, I, I talk to people who are doing not necessarily the same thing as you, but in the same spirit of just making sure that things are secure, because I think there's been a light shined on this in a way that has never happened in the past. And so I'm just glad to hear that there is progress being made. There's not enough, 
but there is progress being made, and I appreciate the work you're doing with Crime Prevention Research Center. And, John, please let me know how things progress and, and whatever else you find if you continue your work. Sure. No, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much. Thank you. John Lott, he's from the Crime Prevention Research Center. We've been listening to a lot of records lately on the old record player, and obviously we don't have a ton of new records. I guess they do make them, but they're pretty expensive. And we do have a bunch of old records, so we've been listening to stuff like the White Album. Well, there's a song on the White Album that I don't really think is the best one for my kids to sing, so guess which one my five-year-old has been walking around singing? That's the one... Except that he's singing, why don't we, uh, why don't you just do it in the road? So, like, well, it's a little bit, but why don't you just do it in the road? So, uh, as he was singing that, and I was realizing, you know what, maybe we'll just turn off the record player real quick. You know, buddy, uh, why don't we turn that off? So I said, hey, there's this, there's this video I want you to watch. And I just randomly cl- clicked on Twitter until I found a video. Well, <laughs> in doing that, I guess that's kind of dangerous too. But I figured, you know, if I'm I'm finding somebody I at least follow or know, then it it would be safer. So the first thing that I brought up was this song. Check it out. When I stay in the shoes and I will hold the scene, then a whole red maybe get the color boss dying. So if, that, if you can't quite make out what he's saying, let me explain. This is an Italian singer named Adriano Celentano. The song came out in the 70s. He said, so he's Italian, he doesn't speak English. He said, I'm going to make up some nonsense lyrics that just sound like American English because the song will probably do better. Just to prove to Italians that any English song was a hit. But since he couldn't speak English, he just made words that sounded like English. I love it. Oh, something. Well, I think he said something there. Maybe he did know one word. And the video is super cool, too. If you want to look it up, I encourage you to do so. Adriano Celentano is the artist. I don't know the name of the song, but the video is really cool, too. It looks like it's out of a kind of like an old black and white like horror film or something. It's really crazy looking. So anyway, I leave you with that today here on Wiggins America, the one-year anniversary of the show. If you missed any part of it, rewind on the Odyssey app or look up Wiggins America. You can type that into your search engine get the whole podcast. Thanks for being here. See you next week. Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.